0: Venezuela, mama like Cinderella, mama's got it to buy it. I say hola 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 Bosanova I say yeah 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 I got it to Well hi this is easy weave <clears throat> I am easy weave this is easy doesn't on dogs by nature good to talk with you and good to uh good to be heard always appreciate the uh, feedback that we receive and also just just you being there i you know never know exactly uh who and at what time and everything but there's a lot of excitement about the browns right now and um, a little bit of uptick or maybe it's the new platform you know we moved uh, away from where we were to where we are right now so maybe if you're new and you're uh haven't you know just now kind of we've been doing this now for a couple of years and if you're just now picking it up then good to have you there and you know tell you know friends that like the browns or just want to hear uh somebody ramble on about a variety of things mostly browns related sometimes uh otherwise you know i'm not sure how much other br- uh, non-brown stuff i did the christmas show the one time but you know, I did a couple uh, things about Millennials, but I mean, it's all its all in love. Either way, all about our beloved Roaring Helmets uh, as we are now up, uh, over halfway through the uh, 2018 campaign, a campaign that has taken a decided turn for the better, uh, considering where we've been, I mean, certainly coming into this season over the last couple of years has been pretty difficult to uh to continue all the way through and 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 if you're like me you know you've been here since before all that even started all the way through it now at the other side of it it would seem and even as it relates to this season uh, the last two weeks and particularly the the game last sunday the uh, win against atlanta uh, turning point we hope in the fortunes of the entire franchise Uh, as we Usually the uh, late of the late week, later part of the week, probably Thursdays, maybe sometimes Friday, you'll get the uh, second cast of the week from me now as we're on the new platform, and that's kind of the thing I want to try to get into, is you know going to be about focusing on the opponent that's coming up. Well, the, the opponent that's coming up is the Cincinnati Bengals, but we're not going to be playing them for another week because we have the most important bye week of our lifetimes uh, up right now with... The, and honestly, I don't. The team needed this bye week, something fierce, uh, probably for a variety of reasons. But and the way that they were able to win that game uh, on Sunday and go into the bye week strong, really just bodes well for the rest of the year. Regardless what your expectations are, I'm not even talking about. Yeah, you know, <laughs> because this is what's fun is that us winning and getting our third win of the year, which you know, milestone. Haven't done that since 2015. <laughs> But, I mean, there, there's people that are honestly thinking, okay, oh, hey, you know, now that we got this figured out, we could run the table. And, uh, look, it, the the opponents that are left on the schedule, I mentioned the Bengals. We play them twice. We also play the Ravens again. We beat them once. Beat them once with Hugh. You almost got to have an asterisk. We beat them with Hugh. So that means, that means something even a little bit. It's like we really beat them. And then you've also got the uh the broncos the texans and the panthers probably in order the the tougher of those teams it's tough to say how tough either the ravens or the Bengals are first of all they always play us tough and again everybody always does but they're you know they're they're veteran teams and while they seem to be going through their own struggles they're 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 veteran teams the ravens have won you know super bowls with well a super bowl with uh, at least you know some of the the people that they have there in terms of the quarterback and coaching staff and so on not so much the players anymore although Suggs was part of that at any rate you can't put any of it in the win column until you play the games I'm not suggesting that any of those games are going to be easy none of them are but at the same I mean this game against Atlanta wasn't easy we just played them well and were able to come out with a you know a, a relatively um comfortable win not something that we've had you know mentioned this on Sunday not something we've had a lot of at all uh, in really in the in the whole post uh, move era you know 99 up until now but certainly you know in the last well we hadn't had one since 2015 had had one to, against a good team since uh, 2014 and you know they Atlanta's a good team they they have a losing record right now but they're they're they're, they're a solid club and Matt Ryan was having a great year and didn't have a bad game against us either. I mean, it was a a, a pretty well played game by him. Somebody mentioned it in, in the threads that uh, Ryan you know, took what Greg gave him and nothing else. So he's a pretty efficient game. Not as efficient as our as our man Baker. Uh, didn't I? Don't think that I knew this on Sunday, but you know the most efficient rookie game ever. By a quarterback, and then Nick Chubb, his touchdown run for us not only the longest in team history, but the longest by a rookie in NFL history. So you got to figure—I didn't hear about this, but you got to figure that those two jerseys would go to the Hall of Fame. No, I mean having two big rookie records broken in the same game seems like uh, seems like big stuff. And it's amazing, you know, there is a picture that is out there. This is you know, a stark thing for me. There's a picture out there of the win against the Ravens, the, the post-game picture of the locker room after the Ravens, and in the locker room after we uh, we beat the the Falcons this last week. And I don't know, maybe you know, pictures oftentimes can can be disingenuous in terms of painting a whole picture of what's going on. But this one showed, you know, Hugh kind of. You know, he, almost like, I mean, to, to the extent that you can be sympathetic about the guy, knowing everything and, and in retrospect and so on, he looked like he's haggard, you know, just beaten down by life and, and his existence as a Brown's coach and yet managed to pull out the win. And, and the other guys that, you know, the players that are behind him are kind of subdued. Uh, and then you see this picture on Sunday and you know bakers jumping in the air you got Orson Charles looking <laughs> looking about as excited about as you know anything as he's ever been and just just a whole different and you can just sense kind of a whole different and not, not just sense you can see an entire different mindset being incorporated by this team and it's fun to watch it's it's fun to get excited about because it, i mean how many times at this point of the year at least the last three years, and you know, go back at this point in 2014, we were pretty much we didn't we may not have known it yet, but we were circling the drain. I think at this point we were seven and four, so we it, we were just about to embark upon the. Uh, I think the first what happened after the Atlanta game was the, the the Buffalo game. Then there was the the Indianapolis game. That was the one where Hoyer just totally. Uh, oh, I um. Yeah, I uh, I also want to uh, you know one of the things is as we're you know lamenting uh, you know things that could have been you know you're looking at our you know quarterbacks we've had in the past. Actually, I'll get to that later on, but they, but uh, I, just, you know just, you remember these things that you that you wanted to say, but uh, Hoyer. Really uh, started tanking that not tanking into it on purpose, but he just was really lousy against the the Colts so bad that he got benched for Johnny the next week, and <laughs> that was I mean if Hoyboy starts against the Bengals that you know against the, we 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 may have had a chance. We went into their place and beat them up pretty good on Thursday night. You know, a couple of weeks prior to that, Johnny came in and was like as good as Baker looked. You know, this really is the 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 dichotomy. If you go back to what Baker looked like when he came in against the Jets on Thursday night and that prime time, you know, comes in, looks great right from the beginning. And then that's almost like exactly the opposite of what Manziel looked like when he came in. Just totally unprepared, completely uh, ill-equipped to deal with. And then the Bengals were doing that stupid money sign thing the whole time. Oh man, I, you know, that you know that almost made me hate them as much as I hate either the Ravens or the Steelers. But at the same time, they're just kind of you know this. It's, and, and we're going to talk about the Bengals because this this last week they uh, they brought back our man uh, Hugh Jackson. You know Hugh after going on his it's everybody's fault but mine tour over the last couple of weeks decides to go back to the natty. And there's a great article about this. In fact, it, it, it as of this recording. It may, it was the banner headline on the Cincy Jungle SBN page. Uh, great article about it. I highly recommend you check out both the article and the comment section. It's really good stuff. But he's going back to be the uh, assistant to the head coach, Marvin Lewis. They just fired their defensive coordinator a couple of weeks back, so if you didn't know that, Lewis has Taken over as the defensive coordinator. If you'll remember, he was a fantastic defensive coordinator for the uh, Baltimore Ravens that year. That they went, uh, well, they won the Super Bowl. I forget the, what their record was. I think they were like eleven and five. But they had the what a lot of people consider to be the best defense ever. I would argue that the Buccaneer defense from that same era was better. Either way, the. Uh Ravens defense was uh it set the all-time scoring record and Marvin Lewis ended up getting turning that into the uh head coaching job for the Bengals where he's been I mean it's been in there for like 15 years now well 2001 so yeah uh 16 17 years I forget exactly when he uh, jumped ship and went over there but at any rate the um the assistant to the head coach, which if <laughs> if if you're a if you're a fan of the show The Office, that's just like hilarious. And if, you know, earlier on this year in the pre, I thought about this earlier on in the year in the preseason. Uh, the players did the spoof on the Office. You know, Miles Garrett was wearing the glasses, putting the picture of Roethlisberger through the shredder. And you know, you know, Hugh was the coach then. He had to have so yeah. You, you just had to know that you know, assistant to the head coach. Uh, to me, it's just funny but uh it's it's almost as funny as you know pondering that we we could have taken care of the wide receiver situation by uh, by doing what the what the patriots did and moving hogan to it we could have had kevin hogan at wide receiver and john w that's for you baby <laughs> but the uh the, the the whole uh vibe is is just different now uh without Hugh in the picture and it, to see a team respond like this, a couple of days removed from it to really reflect on it and to see a team respond like it the way that they did almost immediately after uh, Hugh was gone. I mean, cause they came out fired up against the Chiefs. They were just totally, you know, overmatched by that high-powered offense and half the defense, you know, out. And so, you know, they, they come back out the following week. And, you know, not not to mention that's also their first week, you know, practicing together. Their second week, they get a little bit more rhythm. They come out. They look much better overall. Uh, and you know, Rufio had a good uh, article on this, talking about how they really simplified things and the way that that Hugh and Haley were running things were. It was kind of like it kind of. It's not the same thing, okay? Just the the uh, the cause and effect reminded me of the Chip Kelly problem that he had. You know, Chip Kelly would have this super fast offense. And the, the, and his whole thing was, the the whole philosophy was, and I haven't even paid attention to UCLA to see what they're doing, if it's working for him out there. Because it worked at Oregon. Not enough to win a championship, but it worked at Oregon. And it worked a little bit at the NFL level. But the idea was you just run as fast as you can. And you just have an offense that's just running, 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 running. And the idea being that defenses can't substitute. And when you are and you and you also have like run these long plays to make the defense run for a long time so you keep them on the field and you keep them, you know, gassed. That's the whole, you know, idea behind or well, it's, it's a lot of things go into it. But that's the main tenet. So the problem is that when you're going that fast, you just don't have the capability to do a whole bunch of different things on offense because you got to be able to change formations. It's, I mean, it's one thing if you're doing a 2-minute drill, but it's another thing. You know, unless you are the mid that's kind of what makes the the mid 90s Buffalo Bills that much more amazing. That just the fact that they won all of those games and went to all those Super Bowls, but that they did it with that hurry up, hurry up, hurry up no huddle offense. Which ultimately, I think, ended up being their undoing in all of those Super Bowls. There's a reason why. I mean, the Cowboys come up there with their, you know, massive offensive line. And they just bowl over a a defense that is meant to hang with you because you're running the whole time. You know, you score real fast. The other team's got to score to catch up. And by the way, we saw some of that a little bit this last week. You know, Baker got, you know, a couple... You know, three score lead, and that allowed the pass rush to open up, and you know that's how you want to do it. But again, yeah, you know, getting back to Chip, the idea was is that the offense was you know running so fast it would keep the defense off balance. But what ended up happening was that the offense was so fast, and the the focus on it was so intense, the focus on on speed was so intense that it, they ended up becoming very predictable in everything that they were doing, and and the reason I think that, so in other words, it took away. While they may have had an advantage in one area, they, you know, what they gave up in a much more crucial area, just it's why it didn't work for him. And the same thing, it's true. It's like the way that again, the way that Roofview and his I'll write up on this is at the uh, Dogs by Nature site, the parent home of the uh, this podcast network that you be hearing, but. Uh, the point that we ran everything out of every, every formation out of Hugh and Haley, which sounds great in practice or in theory, but in practice, it just, it, it, you have to do so many things. You have to learn so much that it actually limits what you can actually do, what you can actually practice on. And the result is a well disorganized group with dumb penalties all the time and an eminently predictable offense. Cause you're still running the same plays. You're just running them out of different formations with different personnel, but it was eminently predictable. It didn't matter. And I look, you, you saw it. I saw it. I, it didn't really matter to me what the formations were. I pretty much knew what we were doing all the time. Now, conversely, with Freddy, with, uh, Freddy Kitchens in there, who I am just very impressed with and liking a lot so far... What you've seen is an offense that is simplified. Uh, they don't do a whole lot of things, but they do those things. They practice the hell out of them, and the, because they can do both of those things well, they can they can run the ball. I mean, it, it's key that they can run the ball well with Nick Chubb. I mean, what a what a find he was. Although you know, Meathead knew what he was doing, and when Iron got him, but you, you start off with the run, and then the play action that comes off of it the defense ends up being a lot more hamstrung and it, we saw it uh, all over the place this last sunday and i'm gonna uh, talk a little bit more about that when we return gonna step away for just a moment this is easy does it on dogs by nature The team just came alive, it seems, in the, with the departure of Hugh Jackson, who now joins the Cincinnati Bengals as the assistant to the head coach Marvin Lewis, who is also taking on the defensive coordinator responsibilities. And so it's it's and he's going to be helping with the defense as well so it's it's just an odd situation it's like he he is going to be doing head coachy type things when he has just proven that that's not really his thing but that's what he's going to be doing and plus you know you got to figure there's there's a lot to be there that there's something to uh the notion that they brought him in there because he can give them intel on us and and some of that uh, I think is relevant. I, I'm not sure how much of it, but some of it it certainly is relevant. But before we stepped away there for the the uh, the the break, there was you know we we're talking about the way the team has responded since and in particular what uh, freddie kitchens has done to kind of simplify the offense and the resulting impact is that baker mayfield looks a lot more comfortable just going back there and you know he makes his reads and you saw it this is so great about watching the game last night you saw him doing all the things that you knew if you watched the tape on him that he could do coming out of oklahoma you know i'm not uh, saying this as anything other than an observer. It was out there for anybody to see that he could do this stuff. He could read defenses. He could make sharp, accurate throws. And he was he was tremendous. There was the one throw to Landry right before the, the Chubb touchdown run that it was off the mark. And look, if that touchdown run doesn't happen, maybe that's the start of an off performance and we end up losing the game. But you know, it's like Mike Pett- It's like Mike Pettin's dad said that one time. Or he, like Mike Pettin said to his dad that one time. You know what almost losing is like? <laughs> and by the way the uh I highly recommend and this is all part of it they kind of there's just this nice feeling that um uh, that's that, that I'm having right now and I hope that you are too. This there's video out there of Baker mic'd up uh, uh, watch it. Watch it's like 5 minutes long. Watch it. What do it? Do, hey, do it. <laughs> do it. Because it is just – if you – you don't even need to be – and there are actually – I have found this out over the years. There actually are uh, some folks out there that are not Browns fans necessarily, but listen to this program, which I'm just always grateful for. I hope my dude Keith is still out there, Raiders dude. Uh, even if you're not into the Browns, watch that video of Baker being mic'd up because you're, you're going to see a kid that just loves playing football and also loves his teammates and, 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 prob- and looks like also his coaches. Uh, but it's just a, a a firecracker of of activity and it's just it's it, it is just very uh, invigorating to watch it's fun But at any rate, you you see that kind of, uh, you know, that maturation occurring both with him and with Chubb. The offensive line looking scads better. And that, again, I mentioned that earlier, that picture earlier where we beat the Ravens and it looks like a funeral. And this year, it's, it's almost like we won a game we expected we were going to lose. That's exactly what that picture looks like. And then the other picture is, we just got done beating a really good team, and everybody's excited, and they're jumping around, and you could... What that reminds me of is... Hey, Bill Belichick one time I was watching one of these documentaries and maybe on NFL Network about him and he was he was showing tape to his team about and they were it was it was a game that they had won versus a game that they had lost and the game that they had lost you see a player score a touchdown and the the rest of the team just kind of like yeah whatever you know they they you know pat him on the butt and they, and they, that's kind of it and then you see another game on a Monday night where they're playing the Broncos, and they just steamrolled them in that game. Where a uh, guy scores a touchdown, and like the entire team, like jumps on top of him. And he could like and and he was making the point. See, were we fired up that night? Were we ready to play that night? Were we playing as a team that night? And he was making that point. And that's what it, that's what made me, or that's what that that picture made me think of seeing that. Like, yeah, get excited, guys! I mean, and and what does that mean as far as the the commitment these guys are now going to make? I mean, you could tell in that picture on the bottom, which is so odd as compared to the one taken like five or six weeks earlier, uh, right above it, that the guys in the bottom of that uh, you know, of, of that juxtaposition are way more invested in what they're doing than the guys, you know, that and they're the same guys. It's an amazing thing, and and it goes to uh there was obviously dysfunction we all know that i mean there's no no i mean there, there's it was pretty much perpetual the whole time he was around but it, it would appear you know from the outside looking in it, it it certainly looked like for most of his tenure here talking about Hugh Jackson that he kind of kept the players together that he that they were for the most part uh, they were you know he had them like um uh, believing in what was going on, even if the thing was never working out ever, never, ever was it ever working out ever. Sorry to hit the mic there. But it, it really looks like, uh, it, probably as, as early, and maybe even sooner than that, but the San Diego game, it really is when it looked like the team... Uh, Maybe they didn't quit on him, but they certainly didn't seem to be giving the same amount of effort in that game. And in the Pittsburgh game, maybe the same thing. And that might have been the reason why Dorsey and, and Haslam decided to go ahead and pull the trigger, which looks like was the absolute right thing to do at the absolute right time. Because for me, well, I mean, they actually could have done it sooner for my taste, but it did look to me like... Uh, Hugh and Haley were were really tamping down Baker's development, which is the absolute worst thing to happen at this point in time for this franchise. You need the guy to uh, to get better. You need him to build, uh, to grow. And it's uh it's definitely it's so much so encouraging to see not just his improved play. Because I got to tell you that the whole time, you know, in between, you know, against San Diego, and then he did okay against the Bucks, and came back and didn't play so well against the Steelers or somebody I'm missing in there. Uh, but it just kind of a lackluster, you know, month or so there. And I'm just the whole time I'm watching. I'm like, I know he's better than this. He's shown he's better than this this year and you see and that's why i had the you know the, the theory that they weren't letting him make adjustments at the line i could and that would actually go coincide with the uh, the him, them having all these wild formations but actually wouldn't you want to have somebody be able to make calls to the line whatever point is he looks so much better now but then watching him be mic'd up you can see he's he's a lot more i mean you you he didn't look that fired up in like the Tampa game at least to, to the you know the the, the the stuff that i saw um, because I was, from what I saw, I was in the stands, so I didn't watch any of the... I should probably actually go back and watch the broadcast of that game. But in some of the other games, he didn't look to have that same fire, uh, which is, I think, just indicative of the overall mood of the team you know if everybody if everybody feels like they're going to a funeral you're not gonna, you don't fire people up in that setting you you're not you really can't and you're just kind of you know an ahole if you do that but that was the thing it really appeared that that Hugh's presence for whatever reason and you can you know we can all speculate what it may be but it was causing the the players to uh well a revolt isn't the right word but they just they they just didn't have they just lost a lot of that fire that they seem to have gotten back, and uh, it's great to watch. And so now he goes over to Cincinnati, and I don't mean to say that there's going to be a transitive you know property here where he's going to go over there now and they're going to lose their fire, you know, whatever they – I mean, they, they kind of had the fire beaten out of them good by uh, the Saints this last week, what was a 51-13. to 13? I mean, they just – it was a whooping. Well, I, I don't you – know, and by the way, you have games like that that happen, and then the team comes out the next week and totally lights it up on the other side. It happens in the NFL like that you know it's just it, 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 any given sunday and all of that and what that really that any the that whole any given sunday and it's it's the it's the thing about talent i don't you know you can obviously there are teams that are better than others when it comes to acquiring and training and just having talent on a roster but at the same time they're everybody that's on the roster was the best of the best at the college level, and everybody at the college level, of course, is the best of the best at the high school level. But they're all, you know, NFL caliber players. They may not all be playing again. I mean, look at this team. Look at how much different this team looks from how it looked. You know, look at the the difference in the Falcons game and the Steelers game. We're talking about two weeks, and the Chiefs game in between is kind of like a hybrid. You know, they, they played better, wasn't good enough, certainly. But they pulled it together. Now people are talking about. Well, you know, if they, uh, you know, if they they play like that the rest of the year, I'm not, you know, willing to say that they're. I'm not. I'm certainly. I am. Would be happy to see that. I would love to see that materialize. They would put together, you know, performances like that the rest of the way. But I'm not expecting that. Just like I'm not expecting Baker to go out there and look like Superman every week. But it is nice to see that. You know, this didn't dawn on me until after the game that uh, his game on Sunday. Was more efficient even ever or should I say even than anything that uh, Bernie ever did because it was the most efficient game since Brian Sipe in uh, 1978. If you use a uh, quarterback rating as opposed to QBR, gotta always make that distinction as a uh, a metric for efficiency. Which you know I am in this case because it's one that is measured. But to have, to have an over 150 rating is I mean if if, if you if, if you're if you if you're a nerd like me to the extent that I am uh, with this because when I <laughs> you know when I was a kid I actually used to you know f- before the internet you know <laughs> uphill both ways and five feet of snow for you millennials there was a time before the internet and we still like did things and we still watched you know we still watched football and there wasn't a uh, a way to get like all this, the, the you know you, for me the, it, yeah actually this maybe you know something worth knowing if you didn't grow up like this but. You would have, like, all the games on Sunday. Then you would have uh, the George Michael sports machine that would come on Sunday night. And, you know, I would, I would record it and watch it the next day. And that would give you an idea of, of some of the stat lines on a lot of players. Then every Wednesday in the paper, it would in the sports section, they would have, like, all the major stats. Like, all the team stats and all the individual player stats for, like, the top ten at each um, at each group and that was that was basically how you kept up with it that's how you kept up with and at the end of the year there was like the street and Smith and there was you know catalog- uh you know magazines that would have all that stuff in there and that's how you kept track of it over time but that you know there'd be like uh uh the brown's uh I actually bought like the Brown's digest that was like it was expensive too but it was like the history of the whole team and all of their records and it just all that stuff but there was also um you know, like I would get the Sporting News magazine. And one time the Sporting News mag just this little, you know, publication that came out and mostly about football. In fact, I actually I think it was it was divvied up into different subsections for sports and I got the football version of it. And they actually had in there the quarterback rating, like the mathematical formula for determining the quarterback rating. And it was right around the time that I had learned algebra so I actually could like figure it out. And so I actually when watching game I, I actually did this when watching games or when playing the uh joe montana sega video game that i had back in because that was we were were fly for the sega system back in uh 95 96 whenever this was going on actually i think it was even before then uh i would actually figure out what the quarterback rating was because they didn't have it on the stat sheet or whatever and so, all that to say, if you've got some familiarity with the quarterback, and I don't expect anybody to have that stupid level of co- familiarity with the quarterback rating, what a weird story, Easy. Yeah, I know, bub. But the the whole uh, quarterback rating, um, it's and I don't even remember what it is now. I used I I actually used to have the thing memorized, but it's like, but it is it's bizarre. It's it's the the main uh, tenets of it are the completion percentage, the yards per attempt the touchdown percentage interception percentage and then there's there's like various multiples of each of those that then and then you divide it by a certain total and that's how you come up with and so there is a max scale like if you if you drop back and throw a what I think it's like a 20 yard touchdown I think is the it might not even need to be that long then you get and it, it's and, and that's it. You just throw one pass; it's complete for a twenty-yard touchdown. Then you will get a quarterback rating of one hundred and fifty-eight point three. I think is the and that's perfect. And that's what Baker had actually at the end of the first half was 158. That that is you can't get more efficient with the ball when you are when you are operating at that level. And he ended up with like one hundred and fifty-one point something, which is you know that's 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 pretty good. But you know I now. Personally, after, after having broke down all of that, personally, I have never found the quarterback rating to really be something that is, like, a, a, a worthwhile metric for determining individual singular game performances. Like, to me, it's not really all that revelatory if a guy has a super high or super low or even keel quarterback rating in a given game. Uh, I think that because I, I think there's too much uh, box score watching with that, 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 as far as that attitude of looking at the box score, and determining how well a player played, and especially with the quarterback position. I think there are way too many nuances of the position that require kind of watching. It's like we talked about multiple times during draft season and i'm i'm you know this this as much as this this needs to be the new uh easy three-year rule which by the way meathead uh invoked the other day we'll talk about his uh, press conference here coming up But just as I need, it needs to be the next, like, easy three-year rule. And this is that when it comes to scouting quarterbacks, it's about the tape. It is only about the tape. The tape is the only thing that, I mean, yeah, you have to look at other stats to see, you know, to kind of reach a baseline of competency in some areas. I'm not saying that stats are totally worthless, but I'm saying, like, if you were to look at a pie chart, we're talking, like, 85% of the useful data that you're going to get about quarterbacks is going to come from watching the daggone tape. And so because of that, I don't think that you can look at a a quarterback rating on a game by game basis and feel like you've got a strong command of how a quarterback did if you did not also watch him perform. I do think it's kind of like this is this is I I think a good worthwhile comparison. I would agree. That it's it's kind of obnoxious in Major League Baseball that you could have a guy like the guy DeGrom for the Mets who's awesome but gets no run support every time he goes out there, and you've you've seen this over the years where a guy will go out there every it seems like every outing he'll go out there and pitch great, but every outing his uh, offense can't give him you know two runs, and so the guy ends up with a losing record, and a losing record, uh, you know I mean that, that generally means that you're you know you're a lousy pitcher. Now I, and I remember the, the the opposite of this was I, I at least I thought the opposite of this was CC C. Sabathia's rookie year with the Tribe. He comes in, puts up 15 wins, but we had these monsters in the lineup, and it just seemed like every time the guy went out to pitch, he was getting six, seven, eight. I mean, in the playoffs, I think we scored 17 runs against the Mar- uh, yeah the Mariners. So you know, uh, I I was at that time thinking, okay, this is kind of a fluke. But then the guy ends up having you know a really 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 good career. And I think that – which is to say that if you've got a guy that's a starting pitcher and he has a year where he's got, you know, 18 wins but like a 4.5 ERA or something, you know, wacky like that, and it's probably a fluke. It's probably not going to happen. Not to say that the guy didn't pitch very well to get to that point. I'm just saying – it. Maybe may be either an aberration or it may just be, you know, dumb luck. But if the guy were to, over like a, say, a five or a 10-year span, you know, average 15 to 20 wins a year, okay, at that point, I think that the stat and the metric become relevant. It's it's not worthwhile in in a, in a small sample t- size, and I'm sure there's baseball people that are listening to this that are getting, you know, they're they're, they're losing their anger management chip listening to me talk about this. <laughs> and look, I'm not a baseball guy. I'm I'm very. I I mean, I watch when the Indians are are doing well. I'll, I'll watch when the Indians uh, got beat by the Astros. I, I, I didn't watch a single. Not just a single inning. I didn't watch a single pitch of baseball for the rest of however long it lasted. I guess the Red Sox won it all. Yippee! I hate them so good. I'm glad I didn't. I didn't actually witness any of it. But I'm just saying that that argument is well founded. That it's not fair to judge a you know starting pitcher by his run you know by, by his win total only. I would say that's accurate if you're only looking at one season uh, or a, a couple of games stretch or whatever. And the same thing I think is true with quarterback rating. I think that as an individual or small sample size metric, it's not really all that valuable. Yeah, it'll tell you that he had good stats, but that's kind of the point. Having good stats isn't necessarily uh, an indicator that a guy is performing well. A guy has an offense where everything is dump offs, and his receivers are breaking them off and uh, going you know eighty yards a pop, and then he'll have a you know a fantastic quarterback rating, and he really didn't do all that much. Uh, Brian Hoyer comes to mind on some of this, but if a guy at the same time, over the course of a season, has you know ends up with a quarterback rating north of a hundred, that's that means that guy had a good year. You know that's kind of it's it's not a totally worth it's kind of I'm not going to compare it to anything else but because I think that the the pitcher win uh, one is 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 apropos but you know the AV metric that people look at you know approximate value it's the one that uh, it, you'll see it in like pro football reference it, it it's like a grade that's assigned for. Uh, a, a player's, it's not really all that valuable to look at over the course of a game or a season, but if you look at over a long period of time, and if you're looking at a lot of different people, then it is, it, it, it is useful uh, for its purposes. And I think that the quarterback rating. Why in the hell did I spend all that time talking about the quarterback rating when I was talking about Hugh Jackson? There, there, uh, there had to have been a, a corollary, but you know that, that doesn't necessarily mean that there was. Uh, there may, and in fact, what I'm saying is that I may have even had one in my mind, but I'm not. I'm not even buying it at this point. Um, I am going to step away though and uh, recoup just a little bit. Oh, well, actually, uh, not recoup. I'm having a good time talking with you, but I do want to talk about the press conference by John Dorsey, uh, affectionately known here as and it is affectionately. I love the guy. Known as Meathead. And uh, we're going to talk about what... Um, what I'm not going to uh, play it any or, or anything. I'm just going to kind of parse some of what he said and kind of hit on what I think are the important points. Which is that he didn't really say a whole lot. My name is Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It on Dogs by Nature. So while I was gone, did you look up the uh, the quarterback rating for Baker Mayfield? If you didn't, don't worry, I did. Eighty-seven point five—that's what he's putting up right now on the rookie season after that big game on Sunday. Pretty good numbers overall. His NEA is uh, six point eight. That's a that's a good that's a good metric if you're uh, at least I assume that's what that is is meant to. You know, I, don't, I don't want to be—I don't want to misread what this is, but I'm pretty sure that's yeah, AY over A. That's 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 that has to be. Uh, interception percentage 2.5, touchdown percentage 4.6. That's a pretty good number. It's not a bad number. If uh, if memory serves, 13 touchdowns to seven interceptions, 61.8 completion percentage. But he also had some dog games uh, of some. I forget the one. In, there was one in particular. Maybe it was the Bucks, where the the accuracy number was was. I mean, it was an it, that was an aberration. Maybe no, the steel. That's right. It was against Pittsburgh, where it was just unusually, it was obnoxiously uh, imbalanced. So I, but I mean, look these are these are pretty good uh, rookie numbers. That's I mean not, and again, I'm I'm looking at it from the standpoint of you can't um QBR forty eight point four if you're if you're into that sort of thing. These are. Numbers and I, and I give him credit for two game winning drives. I think that uh, that's um I th- I I think th- I think that's fair. And like I said, you can't look at, at uh, stats alone and uh, try you know, and determine it. But that, again, the eye test with this kid. If you if if you are a Browns fan and you're watching this and you're not excited out of your mind and seeing you know <laughs> seeing all of your wildest dreams come true right now with i i don't i don't know what you're looking at and i don't know what else to tell you because this is this is the pinnacle y'all i mean we 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 have been you know hoping for so long to get a franchise quarterback you got one number six he, he's he's the guy he's got everything that you want <laughs> it's it's and for us in particular you know it's not just that he 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 literally could have been drafted by anybody and gone on to be great I'm, i don't have a single doubt about that but for us he's uniquely qualified because he's just a weird guy he's a weird guy that you and you almost got to be some level of uh crazy cocky bizarre to have it in your mind that you're going to come here and fix this thing that we got going on here with the cleveland browns you know i mean the cleveland curse as it were uh you know, affects all of the cleveland teams and the cavaliers you know some people think they didn't uh, break it they just made it mad when they won their title a couple of years ago and of course we lost LeBron now and lost Kyrie and so that team is uh is is tore up but uh in, and of course the Indians losing in heartbreaking fashion the way that they did but the, the of, all, of of all the Cleveland teams when you're talking about the the Browns are like the most <laughs> when it comes to all of this so Baker coming in. And, uh, and taking it upon himself to, to turn this whole thing around. Again, you gotta, you got to have some level of insanity rolling around up there to think that you're going to be able to do that and then have the moxie and the, uh, the, the chutzpah and the audacity and whatever else you want to describe. you know, This kid has the it factor like nobody that I've ever seen. And on top of that... You know, I've, I've, you know, I I was pretty unabashed about this. It, most developed quarterback to come into the league in a long time. I personally think he's even more so than Andrew Luck was. Luck happened to go to a, a much better situation than Baker did. Uh, but he had a better rookie year, so I'm not trying to take that away from him. Or I should say he had a overall better rookie year than what Baker has had up to this point. Although... If uh, if the growing pains are already done, which it kind of looks like they are, uh, I mean because the last I said the last four games he's got like nine to two touchdown interception ratio. O- overall in the year it's thirteen to seven, but uh, you know it's it's certainly trending in the right direction. Well, if you look, if he even continues to improve, that's gonna end up putting him somewhere in the neighborhood of like you know twenty to to ten you know touchdown you know two to one, which he's at right now. But I'm saying, uh, I think the, uh, the touchdown record for a rookie, I think it's actually Mar- uh, Russell Wilson. I don't remember now. I, I, look, I don't really even care about records. I'm just talking about the, the, the fact that the guy is developing, is improving, is showing an ability to perform at this level, which, I mean, take a look around at the rest of the league, kids. Look at, look at, uh, look at, your, look at your guy, the, uh, the he of the abominable face, Sam Darnold. Look at what's going on with him and this the sort of and look at I I like Darnold you know I, he was one of the guys that I would have you know kind of begrudgingly accepted and not because there was anything wrong with oh, well there's plenty wrong with him but I'm saying uh, I would have accepted him in any other year he would have been a perfectly suitable number one overall you know quarterback prospect it's just like we've talked about before not everybody can come out the shoot and be ready to play right away you know we saw Jared Goff a couple years ago didn't look uh, good at all in his rookie year came back out on fire his uh, his sophomore season and it very well may happen like that for Sam Darnold it's just he wasn't ready he he just he he wasn't among the most advanced quarterbacks to come in the league he's a typical rookie you know uh, drafted high but he's playing like rookie quarterbacks like we saw all last year with the Sean Kaiser uh, Rosen over in Arizona about the same a little better Josh Allen was doing about uh, Darnold's level before he got hurt and uh, Lamar Jackson hasn't really even seen the field, so you compare. And, and this, and by the way, what I just what I just threw out there was the most uh, talented and stacked quarterback draft class in 30 years. And I still think that all of those guys uh, have a tr- have a great shot to uh, to be great. Uh, and that's not even counting your boy Lalletta, who uh, who's in the slammer for uh for running down cops or whatever whatever weird thing was going on with that. The guy uh, Kyle cylo the quarterback for the Giants got in trouble. I was like to just raz Big time with it with uh, just mentioning him from time to time. Like I had to bring up Ho- like I had to bring up Hogger later or, or earlier on for my man John W. But I'm just saying you look around the league, you see what rookie quarterbacks are, then you see what we have. And then you also consider, you know, all the quarterbacks that we've had, you know, you you know. You know, you know. And so I mean, we've, I mean, we have, there's been a lot of speculation this week. Kind of ties the the, the knot here. With respect to Hugh Jackson, you know, leaves here, goes back to Cincinnati. While he was here, he tried to pull that trade for uh, A.J. McCarron, where he was going to try to maneuver a second and a third round pick in order to pick him up. You know, and and it's 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 been speculated by some that Sashi was you know maybe maybe possibly could have not been acting in the best of faith on behalf of his uh, his his uh, overlords. Like maybe he could have possibly just off the top of my head sabotaged that whole deal. Not that he would ever do that, but let's just say that it happened that way. And so, uh, that didn't work out, and now that. And and look, there's some plausibility to that, given that that's exactly what happened when he was with Oakland. Right? He trades, he makes the trade uh, for Carson Palmer and ends up giving them a boatload of assets. They turn into a bunch of good players, and then he ends up going back there to coach there after he had coached there previously. Lends people to uh, think that maybe he came here to wreck us for two seasons and try to poison the well as much as he could, and then he goes back to his, to his uh, waiting job there in the natty. And look, I don't know. Um, I, I, I wouldn't put anything past anybody because I'm uh, skeptical like that. And look, I'm not paranoid, I know everybody's out to get me. But at the same time, if that was what happened and actually this is the, the kind of the whole, you know, Hugh Cincinnati dynamic now. Either that happened, you know, Mike Brown set all this up and look, it was um, it was well executed. I wouldn't quite say that it was brilliantly conceived because look at what ended up happening as a result of those two seasons. Yes, I understand we are going to have to forever live with the ignominy of 0-16, but we ended up with Baker freaking Mayfield as a result of it. And the year prior, 1-15, we ended up with Miles Garrett. Uh, Can you possibly do better with two picks than those two guys? I don't think you're gonna. You know, generational pass rusher, and he is generational, guys, this, especially those of you that get annoyed by that term, farm. I mean, the guy, I, mean I don't know what you want. I mean, the guy is he's, – he's got everything. And I, he's somebody I can't wait to see come off the uh, the bye week, get some rest. Because you talk about somebody that's been rode hard this entire year, basically played an entire extra game because of all the overtimes. And he was – him and Ogunjobi were out there the entire time playing. Can't wait to see a rested defensive line and, and get some of these guys back from injury as well, coming back from the bye week. But you're um, on top of that you got a franchise quarterback so you know good job Bengals if that's what your plan was, then um, okay now you're gonna have to face those dudes for the next you know 10 15 20 25 30 35 years I hope <laughs> I love those two so much I do I love them both like they're my sons I don't have kids of my own um, but I, I, but if I if I did because <laughs> they're you know I love them both about them they're both weird they're both weird. <laughs> And, but in different ways they they're just they're weird in different ways but they're both just exemplary talents and and just awesome guys i think that uh, at some point in the future they both need to be i know that miles right now is a team captain certainly baker will be soon enough and uh, and they need to be they need to be the face of the franchise offensively and defensively respectively the other possibility or the other scenario if it wasn't that if they didn't intentionally sabotage us then that means that Hugh was actually trying his best for the last two and a half years. And if that guy was actually trying his best for the last two and a half years, now he's the assistant to the head coach in the Natty. Uh, that, 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 um, okay. I'm, I, 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 I'm good with that. I can totally, I mean, I don't, have you guys down there, like, do you, do you like no know... All right, let me ask you this. Do you know what the proper function of a timeout is? For example, like in a football game. Do you All right. If you know what the proper function of a timeout is, it may put you at a better football acumen than than Hugh Jackson. If that guy is responsible for any portion of your game management, you really would be like I don't know who your your special teams coaches or who your your trainer is or whoever the 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 ball guy is like the Patriots at the fire the ball guy because of the whole uh, deflate gate thing. Whoever that guy is, I don't know who he is, but he's a better head coach of a football team than Huge. J- I made made a point. I was I was uh, at a high school football game in the press box a couple of weeks back and there was a there was a guy, there was this folksy guy that was in the press box with me that was calling like the P.A. for the and He was talking about like, well, you can get your all your refreshments at the local Concession stand, and it's in one location near you. And, and it, I mean, it was just like I, I'm. am listening to this guy. I'm like, wow, you're actually really good at this at this whole PA announcing thing. Uh, but I also got the impression watching him do this because he would like, you know, there's yeah, a run for three yards. But the middle be first down for the Rams. And I'm like, this guy is more than likely a better head coach than Hugh Jackson. Like, I I just got the impression listening to him call the games, you know, and reading the commercials for this, you know this little country high school uh that i and, and it uh and, and i actually kind of felt like maybe seeing like you know find out about the guy like hey so you know what like are you gonna be doing this pa thing for a while would you think about maybe taking the uh the, you know the, the browns gig and so that's the guy now that you're that that's going to be helping you if you're in cincinnati and i am i, I am very very thrilled that that, that has transpired either way because uh, i don't think that, you know, nobody, there's not a really a whole lot of players that are on that offense that were there when he was there to begin with, and, and besides, he's going to be coaching the defense, it really reeks of uh, just, it, it just, it smacks of of, of uh, desperation, desperation is even right, we're just like ham-fistedness, just like, oh, we got to fix something, hey, there's Hugh, he's doing something. And I get you know actually you know what also it is it's a triumph for Hugh of not apologizing and not uh, you know showing any grace goes out there acts like an a-hole and ends up getting a job and look I'm I don't usually you know I'm not, I don't usually brandish people that way but I'm just saying look at what look what the guy did goes out there and blames everybody else for his own trouble and he gets a job. Well, a guy that doesn't blame, or at least uh, to the point that he's been with the Browns, doesn't seem to blame anybody for his uh, troubles, although he hasn't really had a whole lot of them since he's come here, is one John Dorsey, uh, as I have indicated many times previously, affectionately monikered here as Meathead, sometimes old meaty. And he had a press conference, I guess it's yesterday or two days ago, uh, kind of the midway uh, state of the Browns Talk and you know Sashi Brown had one of these last year, and the uh, the I, I you know I, I came away from it like thinking that he was going to end up saying I didn't think that that the shoe was going to drop. He ended up getting fired a couple of days later, and that is uh, I, I would say that that is most definitely not going to be the fortune of uh, of Dorsey. There was a couple of things about this press and, and look there's not really a whole lot from i think any particularly sports related press conference but really any press conference for the most part you're not generally going to get with exceptions like a, a you know police uh, situation where they're like looking for somebody that's like you know on on the run uh, or like a natural disaster so, you know, sometimes you have a situation where you actually can get you know meaningful information but for the most part when you got public people it's usually for posturing grandstanding and in the case of the football world it's it not only is that it should be that it had better be that and john dorsey really seems to be the master of this When he first got here, the reason that he got the meathead nickname was because Sashi Brown was the guy that we had before. And without getting into uh, the whole you know Sashi versus the world, and and as uh, proud president of the Sashi Apologists uh, Society, I think that uh, Hugh's performance uh, in the time that he's left kind of really does uh, vindicate Sashi quite a bit. But that's not the point he had a very erudite and concise and articulate way of you know really putting a nice bow on everything that he would talk about with the media where he would come about answering the question in its entirety but he actually didn't convey anything and it was really really well done and you combine that with the approach that we had of the acquiring and executing the and, and not going to get into all of it cuz we've done it in previous uh, episodes but the man was a master when it came to this sort of thing and when uh, you know Meathead came along, it just a uh, completely different. Like you watch, you watch Sashi, and if you're like me, you're mad when we fired Sashi. so now you watch this guy, and the first couple times you hear him talk, you think, "What an idiot this guy is." He just he, he gives off that vibe. But you know, there's something to be said about everybody thinking that you're dumb. If you're not <clears throat> now, if you are, and everybody thinks that, well, then you might have problems in life. Uh, in this case, the vibe that was given off didn't really seem to match the performance that we've seen to this point. At least, I mean, look, nobody's perfect. He's made some some um, moves that I haven't been thrilled with, and but overall, I'm happy with the job. And the biggest, most important things, he nailed. You know, the the quarterback, which is the most the most important thing. He also seemed to have nailed at least. At least three other positions: the uh, uh, Denzel Ward, Nick Chubb, and Jannard Avery. Although Avery is uh, more situational, whereas those other guys are definitely uh, more impact performers. And we've st- we've gotten some production out of both Ratley and Callaway at the wide receiver spot. And we still haven't seen uh, you know Austin Corbett and uh, Chad Thomas on the field. But overall, even with what we've seen to this point, it's the best draft we've had, I don't, maybe ever. You know, it's, it's, it's potentially a building block uh, or, or a, a cornerstone draft. It, it absolutely should be. There's some talented people that he got out of this. So he, he nailed the players. He did okay. Uh, with and he, and he did, you know, fairly well with the free agency. You know, when, uh, when we brought him over, a lot of Chiefs people were coming over saying, look, this guy's going to end up bringing people over that you're going to be like, you know, this, who, uh, where is he, why is he getting, and then you'll be amazed at how well the guy performs when he's on your team. Hello, Terrence Mitchell. Who thought that that guy was going to perform the way he did? And now people are like, maybe we'll get Mitchell back by the end of this year. And I think he actually can come back. And he was. He was. He was playing quite well uh, before uh, the injury. It was really unfortunate to lose him. Maybe we'll get him back for the playoff run. But with um, the firing of... Uh, but I, I, Don't get ahead of myself here. He's proven throughout this process that no matter what he sounds like there's a sharp guy there and if um and, and I actually don't think that um that a lot of people do underestimate him because he's been in the league for a long time it's probably just the the you know comparison between the guy that again a lot of us were very 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 disappointed to see let go for this other guy that doesn't seem to you know speak with the same you know well level of intelligence that we, we think that we're hearing from the other one. So all that to say that when you kind of absorb Meathead a little bit and understand what he's doing, where he's coming from, when I watched this press conference yesterday, I am a, I, I have an entirely different new appreciation for it. Ah, eh, maybe I should say it 's not a new appreciation it's it's it 's just more of it being ladled on and it 's this that the guy is able to say whatever it is that he 's going to say, but he doesn 't give away anything he, he he seriously he did not convey anything outside of and he didn't say anything that he didn't want to say, the, 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 and he did it in a way that he didn't have to. He wasn't argumentative or, or hostile with the press. Um, he, and, but at the same time, he didn't capitulate to him. He held his ground. He answered the questions that he wanted to answer, uh, regardless of the questions that were being asked. And and then because of the other of the style of speech that he has, it's kind of uh, unimpeachable. You can try, but you're going to run into a brick wall. And it's it was it was kind of refreshing to watch in that way, uh, it, because it's just kind of like it's 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 in many ways it's the opposite approach of Sashi, but the exact same result, which is that you're not going to get. And, and the main thing that people were trying to get out of it was you know well you know who's going to make the coaching search and who you've been talking to and and he's said over and over I'm not going to talk about. Who the, the who's going to be involved in the coaching search, or who we're going to talk to, or when we're going to talk to them, or any of that? We're not gonna we're not going to get into any, and he he neither confirmed nor denied anything. He's actually quite good at it of leaving and and being able to not you know show his cards one way or another did talk about how attractive of a job it is and i and certainly it is that very attractive job you look at the the cap space we have and the cornerstone players that we already have on the roster this is this is a, this is a really good place you know to want to be but then the fa- just the fact that he was there by himself and talking about this, I mean, because he did talk about, you know, when we go about doing this, when we, you know, that that's a pretty powerful look. Even if the the words that he said did not convey, I'm the one that's going to be the one picking the coach. Because I, I think that there's a lot of trepidation on the part of a lot of our uh, a lot of us that Jimmy Haslam is ultimately going to be the man behind the curtain that makes these uh, that makes these moves. That makes that's going to make the move for the next head coach. And that's just something that. It's worrisome because look at the track record, and and not only that, look at the the, the the reasons why he's made these decisions. It's it's it just now. Look, people can improve, and he seemed to have uh, done well by by getting Dorsey. But Dorsey, you know, um, he 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 also did not discount uh, either Freddie Kitchens or Greg Williams. I probably got the order of that wrong. Uh, but you know of, of them coming back. It's, I think it's an inter- and I real again. I'm 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 going to continue dumping gas on this fire of uh, Fred- Freddie Kitchens being considered for the head job. I think I think he's I think the guy's I I love what I see so far. And everybody out there that is everybody thinks. And this is this is controversial. Easy take. I think that um, a lot of people ascribe Sean McVeigh to. Um, this this larger than life status as a head coaching phenom. I think a lot of this has to do with the first game last year that the Rams played was on. I think it was either Monday night or, or Sunday night or something, and they went on and on about about him and that kind of just just you know you never make a second chance. You never get a second chance to make a first impression, as it were. But I think that that's a very very talented Rams team out there, and as much or more. Credit to the performance of the offense, especially, should go to Jared Goff, and, and I, I think that people think that that McVeigh made Goff, and I don't buy that. I think Goff was really good, which is why they traded up to get him. And I'm not saying that McVeigh didn't help, and he certainly hasn't hurt. I'm just, I, I think that this is one of these things that it's <clears throat> it's it's an overblown. Uh, it's just become one of these pieces of conventional wisdom that that I don't that I do not personally buy into. But if that's the type of guy that you want, if you want a guy that is you know, young, innovative, the next, you know, hot shot offensive mind out there. That guy may be Freddie Kitchens. It may very well be. Look at what look at what he did with the whole wishbone thing. I mean how cool was that? And and maybe there's wrinkles like that you know, every week that he does. But certainly just getting the guys playing, you know, if you go back to when uh, when Kai Shanahan was running things, they, they the guys weren't doing really a whole lot of unique things all the time with that system, but they did it so well that when those play action uh, you know, boots would would happen? I mean guys wide open. Scheme guys wide open. And you saw Freddie Kitchen scheming guys open on Sunday. And look at I don't know, first of all, if he even wants to be the head coach, and if he did, if he if he's the right guy for the job. You know, Meathead went out on and on about how they're going to get the right guy for the job. So there there's three things, three big things that were the most important to him. And the first is high character. Got to have a high character guy. Got to have a guy with high character because integrity is important. <clears throat> I, I, I would have... Uh, that that wasn't meant to be uh, uh, snickering or anything. I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm with it. I think that you should have a guy with high character. I think it leads directly into the second thing, which has got to be a a teacher of young men. Got to be able to work with. Got to be able to develop. You know the young guys and because you're you're always going to have young guys. I mean by comparison, they're all young guys. You know of an, and a veteran on an NFL club is 28 years old. 28 years old and you know and life is that's you're a young guy still. I didn't nothing wrong with that. It's totally cool. You're at a great point in life. Enjoy it. But I'm just saying it's it's a it yeah okay so, you, so it does help if you have high uh, character to be able to work with uh, with with younger guys and then the third thing is a high football acumen he actually knows a lot about football does a lot of things so uh, evidently those three character- characteristics did not live up with uh, with Coach Hugh and I think that the first one there the character which was the first one that he mentioned by the way was probably the uh, the, the nail in the coffin but again those are things that. You're not really while you're. I mean that that's. This is one of these things that you're you're you are you, you are saying something without saying anything because you're not telling anybody anything that they want to know as far as who you're actually going to. You know, you're going to look at a West Coast guy. You're going to look at a guy that's. You know, are uh, you going to look for a college guy? You're going to look for any any basically. I'll look for anybody. Any. I'll even. <laughs> we'll even. We might even hire a woman and somebody in the in the uh, press box like oh yeah whatever he just well you know I'm being serious if there's somebody out there and I actually believe him I think that if there was some like incredible I I'm you know, I mean just you know you, you, between you and me I, there, if there was some you know lady out there that just had this insane grasp of the game and innovative ways you know an approach of doing it and had an ability to connect with the player <laughs> about it <laughs> i mean if She's not hard to look at so much the better. But I'm I'm just saying I wouldn't care. It's not – it wouldn't be a problem as far as I'm concerned. Um, And 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 I say that to say that I don't think – and he was making the point that we're going to look at everybody. We're going to look at absolutely everything because we want the best coach possible to be leading this team. Uh, and he made that point over and over and over and over again, which is, you know, again, those are were, those were platitudes. You can't expect a whole lot of it. But it was just the way that he was able to do it, the fact that he was able to do it so effortlessly while looking like he was giving information, but while giving nothing, you know, the entire time he's not giving anything. But, you know, there was the one thing that he did say during it. And he did say that, you know, when it comes to drafted players, I, I, and I, I'm just, look, you're just going to have to trust. I mean, I can get the clip, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to, I know that you trust me. What he said was, you know, I think that when you're look, because somebody asked him, hey, you know, Baker's going to be, you know, you know, he's he's up for rookie of the week. So is Nick Chubb. You've had a whole bunch of rookies of the week. You know, is this draft class performing even better than uh, than what you thought it would? Now, it's a pretty softball question, right? Like, hey, dude, you nailed the draft. Are you, you know, are you happy? <laughs> and and uh, the, the answer was great. He's like, hey, look, you know, if you ask those guys, they're going to tell you that, you know, I guess those guys are going to tell you that, you know, they got to get better. They got to get better as a football player. They got to grow. They got to get better each week. But he then what he said was that if you're going to talk to me about evaluating draft classes or drafting players, let's wait like three years down the road. My, my friends, my people, um, it's it's a reasonable time frame to consider. That's all I'm saying, all right? And apparently, Meathead agrees, and uh, and hopefully you agree. But I think that after three years, we're going to see. Um, well, I I I am like over the moon excited about what Baker Mayfield is going to look like after three years. You know, I I am, um, and I'm not trying to uh, to bleed on you people, but it's been kind of a. A hard week for me personally, and I'm not. I'm not complaining. I am tremendously uh, blessed, and it's it's a wonderful life and all that. But yeah, hey, look. um, There's there stuff happens, and sometimes it's not even so much that nothing like you know health related or family wise or anything. Like thank God, you know nothing like that. It's it's just it's just you know the the ebb and flow of of uh, daily life, and you know trying to uh, to get after it, and and you have your your peaks and valleys and so on. And this week has had its challenges. Challenges that at times have seemed insurmountable, although you know they never are that. But I'm just saying that, and and, and these these instances, these time periods, are very few and far between for me. I'm, I'm generally speaking, I'm pretty content overall, both with what I do and the the amount that uh, that I do it. <clears throat> but this, uh, while all this has been going on, I got to tell you, it's been quite a, a difference in in life to. Occasionally, just have that that thought in my head. Baker, we got Baker, and you know, I just feel better about things. I just, I just and and then this, you know, I also kind of think, like, just think about, think about how the Browns looked last Sunday. Baker, we got Baker. And, Yep, it makes me feel better, and, and I hope that you feel better after uh, hearing me yak at you for how long we go. Who cares? My name is Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It on Dogs by Nature. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, um, friend me on Facebook, all that good stuff. That's that's important to do. Uh, I, I would I would definitely like for for you to do that. Not just me, but all the guys: uh, <clears throat> Big Town Brown, Darth Batman, Josh Finney, John Colosimo, uh, G and Tonic, or gin and tonic uh, all all our guys that are part of it appreciate you and uh you know show them your support let us know what you think at the article that accompanies all of this i hope that you have a and and we didn't even talk about uh the uh the 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 contest coming up against the bengals it's a bi-week this week, but I still intend to be talking with you on Sunday, so you're not going to get... Uh, this isn't like a replacement for that. I'm still going to be continuing with the... Well, I guess this is actually starting the, uh, the bi-weekly ritual of doing these uh, shows, but I'll holler at you on Sunday. We'll talk more then. Until then, I hope that you have a wonderful uh, rest of this week on into the weekend, and until we talk again on Sunday, good luck. Uh, take care. God bless us. Also, listen to podcasts. Check it out.